Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It is Saturday, October uh, 14th, 2023, and our congregation of prayer today will uh, actually consider tomorrow's Old Testament and Epistle readings to help you prepare uh, for Sunday. Sunday, we will hear the healing of the paralytic, uh, the man who is lame, and then Jesus says, take up your bed and walk but not after he first says to him, I forgive you your sins. Hmm. So we'll have that question about the nature of faith and life. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, our psalm for the week is Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse together. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, verse 23. And from our Catechism, the close of the commandments. What does God say about all these commandments? He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Exodus 20, verses 5 through 6. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Therefore, we should fear his wrath and not do anything against them but he promises grace and every blessing to all who keep these commandments. 
Therefore, we should also love and trust in him and gladly do what he commands. All right. So our Old Testament reading for tomorrow is the famous account of the stairway to heaven, Genesis 28. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones, or of the, one of the stones of the place, and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, your, Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. All right. So if you remember, Jacob is in uh, the context of uh, going out to meet his brother Esau after, uh, well, basically deciding that better to confront him than to continue to avoid him. Jacob's household has grown too large, and uh, I don't know what he thinks is going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be anything good. All right, so he's left his his uh, wives and children behind, and he's going to go out to meet his brother. Right, and it's on that account that this happens. Um, so Jacob is well, obviously a faithful uh, patriarch, um, but his faith, of course, is going to be mixed with doubt according to the flesh. So uh, listen to what Luther says in his magnificent Genesis lectures. This is from uh, Volume Five, I believe. Therefore, there is no doubt that Jacob sometimes felt doubt and was tried. Was the blessing vain, or was it established? The promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? For his flesh was true flesh, and the devil was his foe. Accordingly, he felt not only an external trial when he was forced to go into exile and was driven from his house and from his own possession, but in addition there was an internal trial trial far more serious and on a far higher plane when he thought, What if your mother has deceived you? For you see that your brother remains in possession and requires the blessing, what if God has changed his purpose? For Esau has the thing itself. I have nothing but meaningless words. And because of this twofold trial, God will console him later with a new word. Accordingly, one should learn patience from the examples of the patriarchs, who were tried in every way, yet without sin, from which Christ alone was free. Hebrews 4. Surely Jacob was not tried without sin. He was not Christ himself, nor did he have a flesh free from sin. He was tried as an example for us, in order that we might learn what faith is and what a Christian life is. For it is a life that has a definite promise, which is not only postponed, but brings the opposite to pass. Jacob should be king and priest by divine dispensation. But something happens that is far different from what has been promised. So then he thought, nothing will ever come of it. The outcome will not correspond to the promise. But faith wrestled against the flesh and said, Flesh and Satan, you are lying. For God has spoken and has made a promise. He will not lie even if the opposite happens or I die in the meantime. Thus faith spoke and ordered the light to shine out of the darkness. See 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore faith is not a laughable cold quality that snores 
uh, and is idle in the heart. No, it is agitated and harassed by horrible trials concerning the, the nothingness and the vanity of the divine promises. For I believe in Christ, whom I do not see, but I have his baptism, the sacrament of the altar, and consolation through the word and absolution. Yet I see nothing of what he promises. Indeed, I feel the opposite in my flesh. Here then, one must struggle and do battle against unbelief and doubt. But formless faith is powerless and cannot sustain and bear those assaults. True and living faith, however, which overcomes doubt, is in reality an exceedingly lively quality, if indeed this is what it should be called. And it is a restless blessing in the heart which the devil assails and attacks every moment. All right, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. In this manner, Holy Scripture commends the fathers, like Jacob, and sets forth shining examples of their faith. And there is no other doctrine in the world besides Holy Scripture which teaches that faith alone conquers the world. 1 John 5, 4. This faith consists in having the word in our hearts and having no doubt about the word. Meanwhile, it simply suffers the opposite, is not crushed, and is wearied to the end, that is, until the promise comes. All right. So then he gives the example of Job and of David, all right, and, uh, and others. So you see, um, Jacob is a model example of faith in uh, well, faith is always going to be tried by the opposite, and God does that to confirm faith. Uh, faith trusts in what is not seen. Hmm. In this, in this case, as Luther rightly reminds us, in a bare word of promise. Right? Of course, the Lord will keep His promise. And then our reading for um, the epistle tomorrow is from Ephesians chapter four. Um, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who steal, stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. All right, old man, new man. This is the language of faith, of course. Um, and it, of course, man, we think flesh as well, right? Um, but notice that the new man of righteousness and holiness is renewed um, or created by God, right? So it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. All right. Um, this new man does work, as uh, Paul rightly says there, um, not just in human labor, but actually in divine labor, right? In the vocations that God has called us to, right? But this has become a question. It was a question at the time of the Reformation. continues to be a question to this day. Um, how is the new man going to know uh, what God, what is pleasing to God, right? For an explanation and final settlement of this disagreement, this is from uh, Article 6 of the Formula of Concord, we unanimously believe, teach, and confess that people who truly believe and are truly converted to God justified Christians, are liberated and made free from the curse of the law, Galatians 3.10. Yet, they should daily exercise themselves in the law of the Lord, as it is written, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, Psalm 1, also Psalm 119. The law is a mirror in which God's will and what pleases him are exactly portrayed. This mirror should be constantly held up to the believers and be diligently encouraged for them without ceasing. Right, so we Ten Commandments, right? We've been learning those. Um, the law is not laid down for the just, as the Apostle testifies, 
but for the unrighteous. Yet this is not to be understood in a simplistic way, as though the justified are to live without the law. God's law has been written in their heart. Also, a law has been given to the first man immediately after his creation. He was to conduct himself according to this law. What St. Paul means is that the curse of the law cannot burden those who have been who have been reconciled to God through Christ. There is now no more condemnation, right? Nor must the law confuse the regenerate with its coercion, for they have pleasure in God's law in the inner man. Right? If God's believing and elect children were completely renewed in this life by the indwelling spirit, so that their nature and that all their powers and all its powers, they were com- entirely free from sin, they would not need any law. They would need no one to motivate them either. They would do it by themselves and completely voluntarily, without any instruction, admonition, urging, and driving of the law, what they are in duty bound to do according to God's will. They would act just like the sun, the moon, and all heavenly constellations, which have their regular course by themselves. They would act unobstructed, without admonition, urging, driving, force, or compulsion, according to God's order, which he once appointed for them. Indeed, they would act like the holy angels, who offer... um, who offer an entirely voluntary obedience. However, believers are not renewed in this life perfectly or completely. Right? So here's the key, flesh and spirit talk. Their sin is covered by Christ's perfect obedience so that there is, that is not charged against believers for condemnation. Also, the putting to death of the old Adam and the renewal in the spirit of their mind is begun through the Holy Spirit. There, there you can hear the echo of Ephesians 4, right? Being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Nevertheless, the old Adam still clings to them in their nature and all its inward and outward powers. The apostle has written this, and then he quotes Romans 7, um, just chunks of that, and Galatians 5. Right? So now, why the law for the believer, if there's no need for the law uh, for the one who are completely renewed? Hmm? Well, there's the key, completely renewed. Right? Believers, I, the, the faithful need no law. Right? And the scriptures are clear on that. Um, but, of course, the believer is both the faithful one and, according to the flesh, sinful. Right? So here you go. Because of these fleshy lusts, God truly, God's truly be- believing, elect, and regenerate children need the daily instruction and admonition, warning, and threatening of the law in this life. But they also need frequent punishments. So they will be roused, the old man driven out of them, and they will follow God's spirit, as it is written. And then he quotes a few scriptures. Dr. Luther has fully explained this at greater length in the summer part of the church apostle on the epistle in the 19th Sunday after Trinity. We must also explain clearly what the gospel does, produces, and works toward the new obedience of believers. We must also explain the law's office in this matter regarding believers' good works. Right? I'll just share a little bit more. The law indeed says it is God's will and command that we should walk in the new life, but it does not give the power and, and ability to begin or to do it. The Holy Spirit renews the heart, He is given, received, not through the law, but through the preaching of the gospel. Thereafter, the Holy Spirit uses the law in order to teach the regenerate from it and to point out and show them in the Ten Commandments what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12. In what good works which God prepared beforehand we should walk. Ephesians 2. So you don't get to define what is a good work. You don't get to define what is the will of God. It is already defined in the law, Ten Commandments, most most explicitly. So it's a good work to go to church. It's a good work to call upon God's name. It's a good work to, have, to cast away every other God. It's a good work to honor your parents and to protect um, body and marriage and life and reputation and property of your neighbor. He encourages them to this. The Spirit does. 
when they are idle, negligent, and rebellious in this matter because of the flesh, he rebukes them through the law. So the Spirit carries out both offices together. He slays and he makes alive. Deuteronomy 32, 39. Both the killing and the making alive are the Spirit's work. He leads into hell and brings up again. For his office is not only to comfort, but also to rebuke. For it is written, when this Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world, which includes the old Adam, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16. Sin is everything that is contrary to God's law. St. Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof. And to rebuke is the law's special office. Therefore, as often as believers stumble, they are rebuked by the Holy Spirit from the law. By the same Spirit, they are raised up and comforted again by the preaching of the Holy Gospel. Right? And this is how you prevent misunderstanding. Um, that the distinction between the law's works and the Spirit's works should be properly taught and preser- persevere, or preserved. Therefore, this is to be noted with special diligence. When we speak of good works that agree with God's law, for otherwise they are not good works, then the word law has only one sense. It means God's unchangeable will according to which people uh, are to guide themselves in their lives. The difference, however, is in the works because there is a difference in the people who strive to live according to the law and will of God. For as long as a person is not regenerate and guides himself according to the law, he does the works because they are commanded. So that for the, from fear of punishment or desire for reward, he is still under the law. But the pers- when a person is born anew by God's Spirit, liberated from the law, i.e. freed from the driver, and led by Christ's Spirit, he lives according to God's unchangeable will revealed in the law. Since he is born anew, he does everything from a free, cheerful spirit. These works are not properly called works of the law, but works of the fruit, works and fruits of the spirit. All right, and then of course the challenge is that believers are not completely renewed in this world. Right, so the law works in both ways. Mm. All right, in those two ways. All right, there's a lot more that could be said there, but hopefully that helps. And so uh, tomorrow, when you hear about the healing of the paralytic, Jesus is most concerned with faith in the paralytic. And only um, as an indication of the faith given does he then uh, respond with, uh, with healing for his body. All right. Let's sing a couple stanzas of our hymn, stanza one and stanza four. Let's see if I get it right today. <laughs> For here the flood of his own blood 
now makes us holy, right, and good before our Heavenly Father. All right, let's pray our collect for the week. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, apart from you we have no life or salvation. Therefore, you are a jealous God, desiring us to fear, love, and trust in you above all things. You punish children for the sin they share in and have committed from their fathers, yet uh, that they might be brought to repentance and faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. You show love and mercy to those who love you and keep your commandments. Therefore, grant us true repentance and forgive us every sin against your holy law, that we might cheerfully love you and gladly do what you command. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray this day for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or fallen away, for pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray in Thanksgiving today with Russ celebrating his birthday. Pray for the households of our church, especially Ron and Joan, Michael, Doug and Betty, Merlin, Ruth, and Lenore. Pray in Thanksgiving uh, for the gift of healing, for Marcy, for um, the gift of, well, a congregation, um, for Allie and Teresa, that's our congregation. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Allison, Joe, Dennis, Christopher, Sophie, Brad, Ron, and Doug, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Jim, Pat, Wendell, Darlene, and District President Willie. We pray for our homebound, Marcy, Marion, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. We pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of Orphan Grain Train. We pray for all those grieving, especially uh, the family and friends of Kelsey and Diane. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's our congregation prayer, uh, congregation at prayer for today, Saturday, October 14th, 2023. Uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you had uh, questions, I'll try to get to those later today because this was pre-recorded. Uh, I'm currently recording, uh, doing a second session of recording for Lutheran Public Radio, um, another hymn CD that you will hear those hymns uh, on their broadcast. So um, I hope uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you, and uh, we'll see you in the morning for divine service, 9 a.m. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. 
If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.